Hi, this is Jerry Mathers from Leave it to Beaver, and this is the Then Is Now podcast. Greetings, Spice fans. Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. Hi, this is Rigor, host of Then Is Now Podcast and The East Meets the West. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate your support as we grow the audience for our shows. You could find our links to our Patreon page as well as our Public page at havenpodcasts.com. With Patreon, you'll get a lot of exclusive stuff, including our monthly pop culture newsletter, cool gifts, discounts for Tee Public, and our special exclusive show, Then Is Now Filmmakers series, in which we interview directors, producers, writers, composers, special effects guys, basically anybody who works behind the scenes in film and television, and get their insights into the process of creating films and TV shows. Also at our Tee Public page, you'll find cool merch that you can get or even give to others as gifts. You can find those links at our website, or you can go directly to tpublic.com slash stores slash Haven Podcasts and patreon.com slash thenisnowpodcast. Enjoy! What kind of a sick school is this? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, what are you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. I love to celebrate pump in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that you choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you have a hole. A what? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? 
These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hey folks, welcome back to part two of our interview with the awesome Paul Taylor. Uh, once again, he continues to give us his candid viewpoint on behind the scenes at Hollywood, uh, continues to talk about his career, and we definitely get into his role as Pinhead in Hellraiser Judgment from 2018. So you're going to want to sit back and enjoy the second half of our awesome interview. This guy was great. He really opened up to us, which he's never done before. So we're excited to have that here on Then Is Now podcast. So get ready for a great interview. Uh, it's a great second half of the interview, I should say. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fight! Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo -woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good. Sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, so. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! Go! Play and have fun now! Um, and going on that point, see, I'm a filmmaker myself, director, and uh, one of the things I always ask actors is, what is it that you look for in a director? You know, uh, and most actors, I find, they tend to work well with playable direction, but what exactly does that mean to you as an actor? Playable direction, uh, absolutely. I mean, to me, that just means, you know, give and take, and, um, you know, I, I've, the, the, the times I've, the best times I've had on the set have been when I've been able to say, can we try this way? Or when the director has just said, you know what, just play with it. We're just going to do it and just, mm -hmm. just, just do whatever you want. Sure. And, you know, I, I think that that's probably the most important thing, but I mean, to me personally, yeah, because it, yeah. it you have to be, comfortable and you know a professional actor is going to come in and they're going to know exactly I mean a certain type of professional actor they're going to know exactly what they're going to do with it and then but they're going to be able to uh, you know adjust it maybe they got to have rehearsals but they probably didn't and and um, you know I know there are some big name actors who don't know their lines when they come in and they just like but they're brilliant anyway, because they're like, what do you want me to say? And they just say it in their inimitable style. And it's like, perfect, moving on, you know, because they just <laughs> know, they just know how to do that. So I yeah. think that in my case, you know, I used to be a bit of a grammar Nazi and I've had to let that go because I wanted to correct. You can I do that. <laughs> I wanted to correct so much grammar in scripts and um, oh. edit and rewrite sentences that are just oh, yeah. badly written. Oh, oh my God. God, it's like, come on, really? <laughs> but I feel like I have to sort of ask permission to do that and you're supposed to learn it exactly as written and blah, 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 blah. And you don't want to offend the writer and 
you don't know who you're working with and egos. It's like, ugh, but I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I mean, not smarter generally, just in diction. And, you know, I speak well and I, I like language. So I want it to be correct. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. You know, my sister, whenever she posts something like, say, on Facebook, it's one big paragraph that's a complete one one sentence, one run-on sentence, no punctuation, no capitalization. I'm like, no. are you a complete blithering idiot or yeah. what the fuck? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't make me have to work hard to know what uh, you're saying. Right. Don't, don't too much do work. that. Try a comma. Try a period. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's rude. It's lazy. It's just oh my lazy. God. lazy, lazy, lazy. So, Paul, oh. we've had you here for more than an hour, and I think the fans, <laughs> uh, the listeners at home, are chomping at the bit. They want to talk. They want us to talk about Hellraiser Judgment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's some some movie that you did with um, I don't know nails or something or pins. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> no, but that, before we get into it, hold on. I just want to I want to preface this to the listeners. I my advice is don't sit down and eat your lunch or dinner when you watch this because I rewatched it the other day in preparation for this and I forgot about the beginning and I was eating spaghetti and meatballs and I finally had to pause it so (laughs) I wouldn't get nauseous. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Tonicliff really, you know, it's like, it's like, what what's what are the gross things that we've already seen a lot of and really spitting up you know vomiting is really not you know we don't see that very often and so i think yeah so it's kind of like a a, it kind of one-ups blood in a way you know Hmm. because i don't know why well and and, uh and you know with such a role like pinhead uh how did that come about for you well i just i got an audition notice from Mm -hmm. my agent um Chris Freihofer is a casting director and he's, he cast me in Oh, the gray man and a lot of other things over the years. He knew that I was kind of a weirdo and, um, <laughs> and, and I embrace it. I am a weirdo. I always have been. My dad always used to say, you're such a weird kid. Oh, okay. I'm a weird Thanks. kid. I'm a weird now. I'm a, I'm a weird adult. So I, there was a movie called judgment and it had something about spiraling maze of horror in the description. I'm like, Oh, huh. That sounds, sounds vaguely familiar, but who knows? It was just called Judgment. And I was to audition for a role called The Auditor. Oh, and I read the sides and I'm like, wow, creepy middle management guy. This is perfect. This is perfect. I can get, I can nail this. Wow. So I do my perfect audition for The Auditor. But I read his first line in the sides and it was, Oh, Mr. Watson, come in. We have such sights to show you. And I'm like, this is a fucking Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want this part. I want to work with Doug Bradley. I want, want, want this so bad. So I take my my pinhead action figure and my little puzzle box from Nika to, or NECA, whatever, how do you say that? Right. To, um, to the audition and pull it out of my bag. I was being very secretive about it. And I go, I know this is an Hellraiser movie. Oh, you're right, it is. I mean, just don't tell anyone. So then I, you know, I do my audition. <laughs> then I get another notice a day or two later. I don't know. And um, it's like, yeah, we want Paul to put himself on tape for Pinhead. Doug Bradley's not coming back. I'm like, 
there is no fucking way I'm going to get this part. And that was like what I told you before. It's like, right. oh, wait, Paul, remember meditation? Remember manifesting your dreams? Remember opportunity? Right. So that, so I decided to make it the best audition I'd done ever. And um, so I worked on it. And I was doing a play at the time called Martyr. And it was about, um, uh, I want to say Catholicism, but that's not it. It was about religion. Uh, and specifically... Um, oh, I don't remember. It's a type of it's a type of Christianity that's just crazy. That's just like so. This kid. It's about this kid. It's about this kid who's into the Bible and and reading and, and condemning everyone in his life, including his mother and stuff. And I play a creepy pastor. Imagine. And um, so I'm playing a priest of sorts. And I get I get an audition for the hell priest. And so, but we I didn't have time to read the lines so to study the lines for my audition. So I. I typed them out really small and I printed them out. I mean, on the computer, really small. And I taped them inside my own personal prop that I was using as we sat on stage when we weren't acting. Um, it was my dad's Bible from when he was alive. And I taped those lines, uh, Pinhead's lines inside the Bible. And so I could study them when I wasn't acting. Cause we, the, cause the director was a sadist and we had these, <laughs> we had these pews that we had to sit on facing away from the, playing area while other scenes were happening and then when it was our turn to act we would get up and we'd go do our scenes so i'm i'm just i I had already planned on reading the bible while i was sitting there so i'm like oh perfect i'll put these lines in here so that's how i learned the lines so i so then i put myself on tape and uh i fucking nailed it no i didn't put myself on tape chris came down and put me on tape he came down from oklahoma you know shot in oklahoma city which was very fortunate for me which is very lucky I think that's yeah. part of the luck of all this. Um, and one audition, and uh, and he um, that he I, I hear I hear back a week later or whatever that I'm the director's first choice. I'm this person's first choice, first choice, first choice, first choice, all the way up to heart to um to Bob Weinstein who owns Dimension Films, but Bob is in Ken at Cannes Film Festival. So he's unable to, he can't get his phone to work. So he can't watch my audition to give final yes. So I had to wait another weekend. So then finally one <laughs> Sunday morning, I am, um, I hear from the casting director, he texts me and he says, are you awake? And I said, yes. He goes, welcome to the movie Pinhead. And I'm like, oh my God. That's awesome. So then I, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm Pinhead. And then had to keep it a secret. It was still only called Judgment. And it was the day before I was supposed to shoot. I was already at the hotel. I just arrived that day um, in, in Oklahoma. And uh, and I hear a story or someone says a story. Heather Langenkamp has been interviewed and she has let it slip that she's in the next Hellraiser movie. So suddenly it's all over the interwebs. People are like, who's playing Pinhead? We're going to hate him. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So it starts even before I've shot one thing. And I'm like, I cannot be thinking about this right now. So, you know, we start shooting the next day and it's fine. It's like, okay, so now I'm kind of going to be in the news a little bit in the horror columns and stuff. Cool. People are going to be assholes. Okay. Um, But I got to just do my job. So, so that's, uh, so that's what I did. And I did my job my way, you know, and just tried to make it my own. Nice. Uh, without without straying from what came before me because you have to honor what comes before you. Now, you were and the third pinhead, right? That's correct. Third actor, yeah. yeah. 
So did you yeah. um did you in in your preparation did you talk to Doug Bradley at all? Oh no. Oh no. 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 No, there was there was some there was some drama um ah. going on that I wasn't involved with, but I felt that that Doug Bradley did not want to speak with me because of his relationship with Gary Tunnicliffe. It was what was going on with those two. Um, now I only heard from one side, so I don't know. But, you know, I don't know. All I know is they were mad at each other. That's all I know. And that I wasn't, um, I was part of it, but I wasn't personally involved. So I, th there was no phone call from Doug Bradley saying, hey, let me help you out, you know. Right, and right. I, I didn't feel like I was going to seek him out at all. So it wasn't until a couple, till a year, the year the movie came out, or the I don't remember exactly, but there there was a convention in Dallas, um, Frightmare Horror Fest, uh, Horror Convention, and um, Frightmare. I say that, yeah, and yeah. it was the 30th anniversary of the original Hellraiser, so Doug was there. And the the original three Cenobites, who I just love, and Clive Barker, <laughs> and so I got to be a guest at, at Frightmare as well. I didn't get to sit with them, but I sat in their vicinity, and Doug was very kind, and all as was everyone. And um, and Clive Barker, I got to meet Clive Barker. That was a huge thrill. Nice, you know. And uh, yeah, it was great. So, awesome. and I had actually gone to Frightmare. The year before that, or maybe a couple years before that, I don't remember. It took two years for the movie to come out. It was crazy. It maybe even took longer than that. It was insane. It's like, is this movie ever going to come out? Oh, that's another story. Gotta tell you, hashtag me too. Okay. Anyway, uh -oh. um, so Weinstein, you know, yes. there's a connection. Anyway, uh, so I saw Heather Langenkamp at at, at Frightmare, and I was there, not as a guest, but as a person who had printed up a whole bunch of little pictures of me um the only picture of me that i had of me in the pinhead makeup and i was putting these little cut out pictures of me all over people's tables or all over tables that didn't have anything on them while i was just walking around the convention all weekend i did that i was like yeah just gonna put these up and just you know nobody knows who i am and that's okay and i'm just like but once in a while a friend who knew i was there would be like i don't want to introduce you to this guy who's in, you know cosplaying as pinhead and he was like Oh my God, I know who you are. Things like that. But it was, um, <laughs> so it was cool because I, I went to Heather's table and I asked her, her, her um, helper to, I wanted to, you know, introduce myself. So I got to meet Heather and, uh, and she's like, yeah, she gestures around this big room full of people, convention people. And she's like, welcome to your new life. I'm like, Thanks. <laughs> I, I can't wait to actually make some money off of this. Right. That's not what I said, but you know, that's part of it. Yeah. So, um, so that's been a that's been a welcome addition to my to my life is conventions. Nice. Um, but yeah, and then some stuff's gone down, and you know, and we probably don't need to talk about hashtag Me Too or the Weinstein's. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> I don't want to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> but fuck all that shit. <laughs> oh well, I will tell you. I am going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So things were said to me on the set and no one's asked me this and no one maybe wants, there are people who maybe are going to just think I'm a bitter asshole for making it, bringing it up. But honestly, I don't care. This is how I feel. Things are said to me on the set. I'm playing Pinhead. 
I'm called the new pinhead from people from the producer and and <clears throat> we're having drinks one night and he points to points to the actress he points to me and goes you're the franchise and he points to the actress who played Joe Feeling goes you're the future and I'm like well that's cool so what's going to happen in the future what's going on so anyway um and and I'm the franchise you know whatever I know they kill sort of in a way kill my character off at the end of Hellraiser Judgment but that doesn't mean there can't be a sequel blah 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 blah, blah. and um then the last day of shooting, he's walking away. We're in the we're at drink having drinks in the lobby of the hotel, and Mike is walking away. The producer is walking away, and he points at me and goes, "Pretty sure if you want this gig, it's yours." I'm like, "Oh my god, I am the new pinhead." And then <laughs> hashtag me too. I'm telling you, uh... I'm telling you, I watched it all just explode. I want, oh, or implode or whatever. Yeah. I just watched that Weinstein ship sink and was like, I'm not going to play Pinhead again. At least not in this way in for, for the Dimension films. And considering what happened to my Pinhead at the end of Judgment, I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. Why would I? Unless someday down the line, somebody goes, you know what? I loved Hellraiser Judgment. I want a sequel to Hellraiser Judgment. I'm going to produce a sequel to Hellraiser Judgment. We're going to bring Paul Taylor back. You know, that, as, yeah. as a homeless man who finds his way back. You know, yeah. that could happen. But meanwhile, I got to move on. Right. You know? um, but, you know, I just, I, I can't, I, hashtag me too, important movement equal rights among all humans, very important. Money, money made, money lost. So much, so many jobs, so many people losing their jobs because of Harvey Weinstein going down. It was just, it was like, fuck Rose McGowan. I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't. So I can only be, go from this from a selfish point of view. Because that's what we do as humans. That's what we are. It's like, how does this affect me? Well, it fucking sucks. So yeah. anyway, that's how I feel. Oh, huh. But you know, but you try to explain that. To, you know, I don't talk about it a lot. But you guys have given me a, a, a place to talk about it. So I'm talking about it. Go it's, right not like I, it's not like I think about it. I do not think about it. Um, even on a monthly basis. If it comes up in my mind, I go, oh, yeah, right. But it's like so much time's gone by and, you know, we have to move on from, from the heartbreak. But the heartbreak of, of trying to be an actor, God, actually trying to be anything. Yeah. It's just, oof. So what a I bummer, mean, huh? I, that is a total bummer. And it's really too bad um, because I, I enjoyed that movie quite immensely, like far more than I thanks. expected when, back thanks. when it first came on, on video. And... um. Yeah. You know, I I could definitely see a sequel coming out of that. It would be cool. You know, you, they shot a scene that's not in Hellraiser Judgment with Joe Feel. It was in the script and they actually shot it, but it's not in the final cut where it's the final scene of the movie. And she is in these red religious gowns with a big red hat or whatever, crown, whatever you want to call it. And uh, She's being indoctrinated. I mean, she's back in human form. She's an angel. It doesn't matter what I did to her in physical form. She was an angel. Right. She could look, you know, God's magical, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's all magic. 
it's fantasy horror, whatever can happen, anything can happen. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, she's being indoctrinated into a popedom or something. I don't know, a very, very high, a very high position in the Catholic church. And I think that's so cool. So what happens in the sequel? Well, Jophiel is the Pope, but, or something like that. But the yeah. auditor, this was Gary's idea. Gary's idea was, but the auditor is not happy with how things are going, or she's the new, or she's the new hell priestess. Somehow, somehow yeah. she's the new hell priestess, or we have a new hell priest and things are not working out so well. And Gary, or the auditor doesn't like working with, with this hell priest. So he is throwing out breadcrumbs, you know, trying to get me right. back, trying to, you know, find me. At the same time, I'm like, okay, it's a few years later and now I, I don't know, I manage an S&M bar or I'm a lawyer or I, I don't know, doing something trying to regain, I'm looking for a puzzle box. I'm whatever, I'm trying to get it all back. Or my great, my idea for in the new Hellraiser movie was David Bruckner, too late now. I could, I should have <laughs> been, I should have been the fucking um, derelict should have been the fucking derelict. Oh, now, yeah. I didn't mm. from Hellraiser, you know, the one who yeah, eats yeah. the locusts or the yeah. crickets or whatever. That guy, he's basically a homeless guy. So make me the homeless guy, you know, who has a connection to Hellraiser. Anyway, I have ideas. But <laughs> I, you know, it's it's actually fun to talk about this stuff because it is I'm not bitter about it anymore. But when people bring up me too, I'm like, yeah, important movement. I get it. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah all kinds of things could happen with a sequel it would be great fun but it's gonna have to be you know I, on the other hand hellraiser judgment um it's not really a standalone film because you kind of need to know what happens you know with the puzzle box and with the history of pinhead and all that but in a way it is a standalone film because it's my only film as pinhead and for that reason I think of the two sequels that were made, um, one Pinhead is maybe preferred over another, the two sequels that didn't have Doug Bradley in them. And maybe um, uh, maybe Hellraiser Judgment can be, you know, a cult film for that reason. That's what, that's my fondest wish for Hellraiser Judgment is that years from now, after I'm dead or whatever, or whatever, or I'm not acting anymore. And people are like, but you ever, have you ever seen Paul Taylor's Pinhead? That's what I want. That's what I hope happens. You know, just to, just, I think it can happen. And that's, I'm very hopeful that, that it, it make people kind of go, yeah, he was, he was good as Pinhead, you know? Nice. And he wasn't yeah. Doug Bradley because he's not Doug Bradley. You know, when people are like, well, he's no Doug Bradley. I'm like, why don't you just put a T on the end of no and say, he's not Doug Bradley. Right. No, I'm not. And I'm not trying to be. And right. so get over it. You know, <laughs> it's, you can't, how many Frankenstein's monsters are there? How many Draculas are there? How many invisible mans are there? You know, it's how many wolf mans are there? It's just, it's like, come on, come on. Yeah. I yeah. know, but I get it. At the same time, I totally get it. I mean, how many Freddy Kruegers are there? Really? There have been two. Mm -hmm. And right. I love, I love, um, oh, I forgot. His Jackie Earl Haley. I love Jackie Earl Haley in that movie. I think yeah. he's a brilliant actor, but he pissed people off because he was playing it so serious and it was that script. That's how he did it. But right. he had just won 
not won, but I think been nominated for an Academy Award the year or two before for Little Children, where he played the guy who was a who was a, a sexual predator, whatever, um, who'd never actually hurt any children, but had been in jail for it, I think, and was now living with his mother. He played this tortured, tortured soul, and uh, much like Freddy Krueger. And uh, I'm like, you cast him. Of course, I mean, the director probably cast him because he knew he'd be brilliant. Right. But at the same time, I get it. We want our Freddy Krueger. We want our Robert England. I would love to see Doug Bradley play Pinhead again. I think that would be really cool. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, yeah. I think it would make a lot of money. That movie would make a lot of money. And um, I just wish they'd do the Scarlet Gospels. That would be a really cool movie. Have you guys read that book? Oh my God. Yeah. It's basically, you know, the death of Pinhead, but as written by Clyde Barker. So we'll see what's going to happen with this Hulu, um, the Hulu series that David Wagner directed with um, Jamie, somebody who is a trans woman as Pinhead. You know, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I guess I'm just doing a monologue now, aren't I? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, but it's, so, you know, the history of Pinhead, it's just, mm. it's, it's evolving. And, um, and I guess it was time to have a trans woman play Pinhead. I mean, in the original book, it, Pinhead is genderless with a high voice. So, oh, interesting. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and you were familiar with the Hellraiser movies before the role, right? Yeah. I hadn't seen yeah. them all because right. I think the last one I'd seen was the fourth one. Same ah. here, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so I started watching them all. I did watch them all. And um, I mean, I was just basically watching for Doug Bradley's work because I wanted to honor what came before me and what worked and for me didn't work and whatever. Right. But this was an original script um, that was really a different pinhead in a way. Um, you know, his surroundings, his his age, all that. It was different. And I loved that. So there came a certain different costume. As, as Gary said, I redesigned a costume for you just in case you're ever an action figure. You'll know the difference. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's the truth or if it was just like, I wanted to redesign Pinhead and this was cheaper. I, I have no idea. But, right, right. But, but I like to believe that that, that was part of it. Because he does think in in terms of of um, of uh, action figures, just like me. God, I love action figures. Those original Hellraiser action figures are so fucking cool. Oh yeah. And he yeah. was the creative consultant on those. And uh, or when I went out to get my head cast done in L.A., he has them for sale, of course, in his in his uh, in his place of business. Um, and uh, I had not never noticed on the back of the packaging, but it said, you know, it says creative consultant Gary Tundercliffe. I'm like, what? So, and, and that's the one you brought into your audition, right? Yeah, yeah. I brought a pinhead, <clears throat> and I brought the um, puzzle box that you could make the lament the configuration, or from collecting, yeah, or from collecting the ones from series two, I believe, of the of the figures. Right. I love action figures so much. You Me guys. too. It's it's a sickness. <laughs> I have they almost all the so NECA good. Jason ones. Those are so good. They're so good. They're yeah. so good. NECA is so good. And you know what I'm addicted to? Overpriced. Um, Mezco 112 Collective figures. Now, a lot of those are, are um, superheroes and comic book characters. And I'm not really into comic books. 
I'm not into like Batman and all those so much, although I love the Joker and I love Batman and I, I do love DC for that because I, and, uh, but I'm not really into that much into DC or Marvel, but when they do the, the movie characters that I love and they've started doing more horror, like they've done Nosferatu and now they've done a new Nosferatu and oh my God, these figures have so much articulation and they have real clothing. And so they look more real and they have so many, some of, so, some of them have so many accessories. And I know, you know, the 112 world, you know, that is, is amazing. So many companies, including NECA, who's brilliant. They're so oh, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they've, just, got a, they've got a great, oh. um, the crow, you know, they've got a great one of him, the crow. Yes, I have that. Yeah. I have oh, that. nice. I have a big I, one of the crow too. The, the one that I think it says phrases. I have one of Marv from Sin City. Oh, nice. I have, yeah, I have Edward Scissorhands. I have, I have an operating um, Pinhead and Chatterer, and the Chatterer still does chatter, which is cool. Um, Pinhead talks, and the Chatterer's jaws actually chatter. (laughs) That's awesome. And these are the big, heavy figures. It's it's funny that you brought up Mezco because I was looking at the website with my grandson. He's four, or he's five, actually. Uh, recently, yeah. I got like a couple weeks ago, and he wants the Ultraman one because we've been watching Ultraman. <laughs> oh, Ultraman 112 Collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it already? Is it already being pre-ordered, or has it already gone on no. pre-order? Um, they are. I think it. Oh yeah. It, uh, hold on. Let me look it up here real quick. They sell out so fast. It's uh, crazy. They waitlist you, and then you either get it or you don't, and then they're sold out. But Entertainment Earth and Big Bad Toy Store often have them. But oh my God, if it's just a Mezco exclusive, like I got two sets of the <clears throat> the new Nosferatu, which is oh my God, it's so cool. I mean, the first one is already cool. This one's even cooler with red eyes and yeah, more clothes and blah blah blah. Um, but I, they went on sale at midnight, and just like when I used to collect Living Dead dolls, when the exclusives come out, it's a madhouse. They don't have enough. I mean, the site basically crashes, so oh, it's crazy. Yeah, you can you can like, pre-order this. You drop twenty six bucks down, and then you pay the rest of the one hundred and five bucks when it comes out. Oh, you can pre-order Ultraman. Yeah, it I looks really good it. too. They go. I mean, these scalpers buy them. I mean, these people buy them, and then they're immediately they're immediately double price almost. Some of them are. are I mean, the first Joker, which probably back when it came out, it was probably 60, 70 bucks. It goes for like $400, $300. Wow. It's just crazy. And they've done three versions of the Joker now. It's nuts. I'm That's spending crazy. too much. I just bought, I just bought a Captain Nemo for $200 because I'm insane. And <laughs> it probably sold originally for 90. And I'm yeah. like, I don't care. It's really cool. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That, that Captain Nemo looks awesome too. Oh my God, it's so cool. Their, their Rumble Society series that they've come up with, which are original characters, it's like, oh, except Captain Nemo. I mean, obviously he's from, you know, literature, but still. Right, yeah. This specific Rumble Society 112 collectives. Oh my God, they're yeah, so those are cool. So good. Doc Nocturnal and Baron <laughs> Benz. I won't go on. Yeah, that's funny. I wanted to ask too, like, you know, Pinhead's obviously up there with more recent, uh, and I term them as recent classic characters like Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, because to me, the classic right. characters are Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman. Um, Absolutely. 
What sets Pinhead apart from Jason Freddy, Michael Myers, those guys? He talks eloquently. Um, he's He tells you exactly what he's going to do to you before he does it. Um, he's, well, they're all related to sex, but he's related to sadomasochism, which is a completely different animal right. than being a slasher, um, than killing you because you're having sex. That's completely different than torturing you. Uh, of course, there's a lot of torture in, well, you know, it's like, he's kind of like a cat playing with a mouse for it. He, kill, they, he kills it because Jason and Freddy, and well, Freddy does talk to you as well, but he's not, he's not like bordering on Shakespearean in some of his speech. I think Pinhead, some of the stuff is eloquently written and spoken. I mean, some of it isn't, some of it's more, you know, how's that for a wake up call? I mean, that's not exactly, you know, Shakespeare, but, um, but right, right. he speaks, he speaks, he speaks so beautifully. Um, and I don't know, he's classy, he's beautiful in a way. And I wouldn't describe Jason or Freddie as beautiful. Um, I mean, in a way they're beautiful, in a way they're all grotesquely beautiful. It just depends on your, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Freddy Krueger is so freaking different from them all because I don't know, well, because of where he comes from, your dreams and all that, but that, that freaking hand, their weapons, I think that's another thing with Pinhead. I mean, he can telekinetically make hooks on chains fly out of nowhere into your flesh. Right. I mean, <laughs> what? You know, but I think mostly it's the eloquence and him really believing that he's giving you exactly what you ask for and that this should feel good to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you should enjoy this. It's changed over the years, sadly. Um, I understand that Bob Weinstein never really liked psychosexual material. Then why the fuck did you buy the Hellraiser franchise? But anyway, right. I digress. <laughs> and so it was changed more to crime and punishment sort of deal, you know, and we'll just add boobs and it'll right. be horror, you know, or we'll, we'll turn him into a Freddy Krueger and make him all funny. Like in the third movie, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. that. That's what, that takes it away for me for Freddy with Freddy Krueger with the one-liners. Yeah, me too. It makes him less scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, you know, the threat, the threat of, of stillness, that's, I, that, I loved Gary's direction on the set of Judgment too, because it was just like, it's all about the stillness. Any movement you make has intention behind it. Right. So you're not slashing around, you're not, you know, it's just like, no, you're just listening and speaking. That's all you're doing. And uh, I don't know, it's, and that's scarier sometimes. It is. It's menace. Yes. And the audience knows what he can do. Well, unless they've never seen a Hellraiser movie. Right, right. But, yeah. But that first the first Hellraiser, the first time we ever saw Doug Bradley as Pinhead in that first movie. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Just, you just look at him and like, what is that? And yeah. there's this haunted, <laughs> this haunted... He's so haunted. He looks so sad. To me, he looks sad. I don't think he is sad, though. But, but maybe he is. I, I, that was beautiful. It's so beautiful as Pinhead. Um, the hauntedness, you know, yeah. and the stillness. 
um, but he was still mysterious back then. That was right. what's so cool about the first movie. He's just a mystery. Yeah. He's a mystery. I saw that when it came out in 87. I went with a buddy of mine. And the the downside was that the theater volume was kind of low. I tried to get the manager or somebody to fix it, and they couldn't fix it. And it was like they didn't even give us, you know, movie passes. (laughs) But I hate that. We were able to enjoy the movie. I ended up going back and seeing it again at a different theater at a later point. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't remember. I don't know. So I read somewhere that you said that the, um, well, like, people should know that because Pinhead has all these nails in his head, he's in constant pain, but he doesn't emote. He doesn't show that. Yeah, yeah. I read that you said that the makeup was kind of painful, and that sort of helped you get into that mindset of the character. Well, it wasn't the makeup that was painful. It was actually the neck piece. It was it was the costume. It was the it was the posture that I had to assume to not have a double chin. <laughs> oh, it was yeah. It was more that actually. And if anything would get under the contact lenses, that was that was very painful. But um, yeah, I think that I've used a lot of pain from my own history um, in doing and uh, just working on, you know, the character. But w- what it comes down to is once you look like that, you don't really have to do a hell of a lot because that costume and makeup is doing it for you, you right. know. And so you've done all this work, and then suddenly it's like, oh well, there I am. There, there he is. He's, he's right there looking at me in the mirror. Um, but uh, oh, what was I going to say? I forgot. Something the pain about the pins. Informing the character. Oh, yeah. But what I really liked, I thought this is where you were going. So I'm going to bring it up. I had this thought, and I don't know if this was, I think it was before I shot. Or was it was after. I don't remember using it, but I remember having the thought at one point. It's like, no, the, the pins in my head because I'm a because I'm a masochist actually I think Pin has actually more of a sadist but I guess he's equal he's a, sad, he's right. a sadomasochist <laughs> um, it actually does feel good so he's actually in ecstasy or is it agony all the time you know so it is like the agony and the, the ecstasy and the agony he's Michelangelo the ecstasy and the agony <laughs> constantly so it's like am i am i edging right now am i about to come no ouch you know it's like (laughs) but i don't really think i went that far with it because we i don't know it was more about just playing the moment but it was just an interesting thought i had i think at one point it's like oh wait pinhead is constantly on edge he's constantly just about to come but he can't that's kind of where he lives. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Makes sense to me. You know, it's funny. I never actually thought about this before, but you just made me think of, I have a couple tattoos, and when I was getting them, obviously, I don't, do you have any tattoos? Um, none that I know of. Okay. <clears throat> they're, they're, initially, they're, they're painful because it's someone's like scraping your skin, and if it's yeah. a pretty large tattoo, it's yeah. pretty painful. And what I... I just re- recall now what I did both times was I would have to just sort of get myself into this mindset. No, it's not pain. That's how it's supposed to feel. Right. And then that way I was able to just sort of be in this sort of calm state and endure the process. Otherwise, I'd be a blithering idiot and run out with like, you know, two lines on my arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do you have? Uh, I have a, a crucifix on my um, arm 
And yeah. on my chest, I have the um, anti-possession symbol from the TV show Supernatural. Oh, that's cool. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I never, uh, that just sort of passed me by, the tattoo thing. Yeah. Just never yeah. got one. Hmm. Chris, do you have any? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> not my thing. Hey, uh, it took me 45 years to figure out what I wanted a tattoo. <laughs> see, that's the thing. You have to do it. It has to be personal. And I've never actually had a, a, you know, a moment where I've gone, oh, that's going to be my tattoo. You know, so I've discovered right. that. Like, yeah, I want that on my body for the rest of my life. You know, it really right. has to be. Like someone who decides know, they want Barney Rubble on their bicep. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. If that's your, if that's whatever your makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Pinhead has a British accent. Can you do the voice for us? Well, you know, this I can because I did I did it for the movie, but they lowered it so much and made it bassy. The thing is, my voice to me sounds higher than it was a few years ago. And I don't know if it's because of a throat injury I had on a film set a couple of years ago, or if it's just aging. Or maybe it's just film acting has made me not I've forgotten how to support and use my voice. But I just uh, <clears throat> I can't make it low. You know, so I sound yeah. a bit like, of course, Doug Bradley's voice isn't really low either. Anyway, I digress. Um, let me think of my favorite line from the movie, if I can. Suffer. Me. How dare you use such a word? You know nothing of suffering. Sin and suffering are my dominion. Perhaps it's time you learned a little of the manners you seek to manage. How was that? Okay. That's awesome. That was really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> there, there's some great lines. Gary wrote me some great stuff. You know. Nice. I, I, you know, Gary, he wanted it to be Doug Bradley's last movie as Pinhead, and then he wrote yeah. it for Doug, and then that didn't work out. And <laughs> you know, I, 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 I threw away a line earlier, and it was, "How's that for a wake-up call?" That's one of the reasons Gary wanted, that's what he says. He says, I, you know, Gary, Gary says, um, Doug's final line as Pinhead is, how's that for a wake up call? I just, that kills me. I want to write him some good <laughs> stuff to, to say. And then it right. didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, who cares really? But right, now right. <laughs> he's still got to do eight movies. <laughs> so, so, yeah, exactly. I have to say Hellraiser 3 is probably my favorite of the Doug Bradley ones. It's fun. I mean, the it's first not... one is brilliant, but yeah. I really enjoyed part three. Yeah. I I liked certain aspects of it, but it's not my favorite. Um, I mean, one is my favorite. And really, two is my second favorite. And then, of course, I jump, I jump to judgment. But that's, <laughs> that's yeah. for, for only one selfish reason. But, but I also really like the fourth one. And I know a lot of people like, Ugh. but the reason I like it is the story of the lament configuration. I think the that box is really cool. And Angelique, I love her. Um, so, I mean, Pinhead in space, eh, okay. That's weird. And, you know, okay, we had to do something. But, um, yeah, but they all have their, but, but number three with Pinhead just off the chain, it is so much fun. It's yeah. such a fun movie. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's the biggest budget one. And I think maybe, I don't know. And I think that's also 
why that movie gets more toy licensing than the other specific Hellraiser movies, I think. Maybe. I don't know how that works. Oh, interesting. I didn't but, know yeah. that. Yeah. Although Inferno is the license for the puzzle boxes that Trigger Treat Studios has done. Oh, okay. Oh. I don't know why it matters, but it matters to collectors, I think. That's yeah. the that's the Inferno puzzle box. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, one thing we've talked about on the show before were horror stars. You know, like there was a time where we were guaranteed in any year there would be a film released with Vincent Price or Peter right. Cushing or Christopher Lee yeah. or a handful of other greats, and we don't have that really anymore. Um, no. I had we had Bill Oberst Jr. on the show recently. He's oh. an actor. Yeah, and I mean, um. No, oh, okay, he's he was I more than happy him. to accept. Oh, you have? Yeah. In which yeah. movie? Butcher's Bluff. It has not come out yet. Oh, okay. Oh, oh wow. wow, nice. Yeah, cool. Super I mean, cool he guy. Was, Super nice. Well, he's more than happy to accept the moniker of horror star, and know. you know, because yeah. he's been put up there with the great since, since you're, um, you know, since you've been doing a lot of horror movies, it's a huge part of your filmography. And now you got Pinhead under your belt. Do you feel that you're either already now a horror star, or do you sort of see that in your future? I don't feel like I am a horror star, although um, because I I want so badly to be um, like this audition I'm working on right now has nothing to do with horror. It's more of a historical drama. I want so badly to be in movies like that as well as horror that. I don't really want to call them, well, I guess you can be a horror star and do other things. Of course you can. So never mind. I'm not going to go down that road, but um, <laughs> I don't think I'm a horror star yet. I think I'm a star of one fairly well-known horror movie in a niche market. Other than that, I just, I feel like it's very niche. I do. I remember when, when the Hellraiser, um, when it was announced that yes, hey, it's a Hellraiser movie. Um, I got a text from my friend, who, a theater friend who I've known for decades. And he just, it was very simple. He said, uh, um, congratulations on your instant cult status. And it kind of blew my mind. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Cause that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, all I did was audition for a movie really well. That's all I did. And, yeah. I, have a cult, and I have a cult status really cool i don't use my power like as i should i don't use my power as much as i should oh you don't use it for good Eh. (laughs) 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 i just want to be lazy that's my problem i like being lazy but um well you know go ahead i like working hard but i also really want to just take a nap so much of the time but um i i i would happily happily be a horror star if people were pounding on my door begging me to do their movies but no one is doing that and uh so you know i i know that um bill Overs jr is a brilliant horror actor he's a brilliant actor i love him as papa corn he's so original and crazy and real and terrifying and disgusting and sexy all of that stuff it's all at the same time and it's like yeah and and he you know i know and you guys already know this about him and i I don't need to talk about him too much but you know i talked to him 
when we were on the set of Butcher's Bluff. And it was like, yeah, I was living in LA. I was going to award shows. I was on the red carpet. And then on the other side of this drop were like homeless people. And I was like, he, he, he had to get out of Hollywood. He's like, I don't want this. He had like a conflict, um, a, a conscience, you know, I don't know. Racism conscience. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, I know he's a brilliant film actor. Period. I don't know that I believe in myself that much. I don't know that I would say that about myself, um, because I know I've done some great things on stage, and I've done some pretty good things on film, but I don't know that I have that under my belt yet. I sort of came into it later and I don't get that much practice doing it. I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. There's not that much going on here. And maybe for other people who live here, there is because of whatever reasons, better choices. I don't know, but um, I, I hope that, um, that I can do more horror movies. God knows I want to, you know, it's just a matter of uh, of of people wanting me in their movies, you know. Right. I'm not, you know. So, I, is, is I there... hope I don't sound like I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm really not. It's just a weird no, time. No, no. A weird time in our history. Weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. The world is so weird right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously you're a huge horror fan. What, what was the first horror film you saw that sort of made an impression on you? Um. <laughs> the first one I saw was Trilogy of Terror. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. yeah. It was Saturday night at the movies. Yep. Um, I was the youngest of three, and everyone was out of the house except me. And I ordered my Pizza Hut hamburger pizza with extra cheese and had my orange <clears throat> crush or whatever. And Saturday night at the movies, Trilogy of Terror, you know. Man. Hey, Curtis. Oh, my God. <laughs> that third... That third, that third act with the, oh, with yeah. the little Zuni fetish doll, yeah. fucking freaked me out. Oh my god, <laughs> I was so fucking scared, and I was home alone, and it was terrifying. Oh um, and about that same time, I think I saw the Raven at at my grade school because they were they showed it for Halloween. They'd always it was usually a Vincent Price movie. They would show. Okay, yeah. The Raven, I saw The Abominable Dr. Fives, I think, maybe The House of Wax, even. Pretty wow. pretty crazy stuff for a grade school in, in the middle of Kansas. But but um, at least that's my memory. I just remember a drawer full of eyeballs. And I think that was The Raven. Yes. <laughs> Is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, what, third grade or something? I don't know. I was that's awesome. But that one didn't <laughs> scare me. Vincent Price movies don't really scare me. They just sort of right. entertain yeah. me. You know, it's like, oh, I don't really like the mask in the abominable Dr. Fives. I don't like not being able to see his mouth move. It's kind of, it annoys me actually. But um, I want to, you know, I know it's all recorded and I'm like, oh, come on. Anyway, <laughs> people hate me now. They hate me. You don't love Dr. Fives. Well, it's funny because we had the writer, um, William Goldstein, who wrote mm -hmm. Dr. Fives and his son yeah. on the show. Yeah. They're working on a third film right now. Oh, I blew it. I just blew it. Can you edit yeah. that out? No. <laughs> I need to play Dr. Fives. Oh, there you uh -huh. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I just wish his so... mouth moved, but it was a mask, so it couldn't. 
It's funny. I've I've told this one on the show before. Though the first movie I saw, I was two. It was 1972 in the back seat of my parents' car at the drive-in, and we saw the Amicus Anthology film uh, Asylum, with oh Peter Cushing God. and Herbert Lom. And that movie scared the shit out of me. And what's funny is that I vividly remember that. I mean, two years old, and I, what I remember was the scene where. Have you seen the film? Uh, no, it's just no. Oh, okay. Not. Well, it there's a scene where this bit. lady, yeah, mm -hmm. this lady hacks up her husband and wraps all the body parts in meat paper, oh, and then God. like the body parts start to move individually, <laughs> and. For years, my mother and I called that movie Chopping Heads because she didn't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, man. But that just, like, you know, at a young age, that made an impression on me. And even though probably into my, I think 1982 when I saw Carpenter's The Thing, that was the first horror movie I wasn't scared at. Yeah. But between those, I was always terrified, but it didn't matter because I loved them. <laughs> oh, me too. There's just that you get that rush, and it's just like, oh, I like this. What's this? Um, I remember my parents wouldn't let me see The Exorcist when it came out. I was in seventh grade, I think. I don't know. Seventh, yeah, I was in seventh grade. Right? Who cares? Anyway, I was a kid, and the movie came out, and um, my parent, I couldn't see it because it was rated R, and it was about what it was about. And I was like, no way, you're not seeing this. I had seen Jaws, though, I think. I don't know which came out first. Jaws fucking terrible. Uh, Exorcist was 73 and Jaws was 75. Oh, and so I saw Jaws in the theaters. But that was rated PG, wasn't it? Or was it rated yes. R? Yeah. Yeah, it was PG. So I saw it. Oh, my God. The eyeball popping out of the... Oh, God. Anyway. And then the deep with the eel <laughs> eating Scatman Carthers. No, it wasn't Scatman Carthers. Who's that? <laughs> no, the, the deep, deep was... It was uh, um, Robert Shaw Fossett was Jr. in the deep. Louis yeah. Fossett Jr. got his head eaten yeah. by that eel. Anyway, I digress. The Exorcist. My parents wouldn't let me see it, but I read the book, and the book scared me. Um, and so I bought the the soundtrack on vinyl by Mike Oldfield, you know, uh, Tubular Bells. Yeah. yeah. And side one is fine. And I had a nice stereo in my bedroom, and I listened to side one. It's like, da, 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 da. it's really groovy, and I love yeah. it. It's kind of creepy, but really just groovy. Side two, have you ever heard it? No. Oh, my God. Listen to side two. It It's... It's crazy. I mean, first of all, Mike Oldfield is just listing these different instruments, or maybe this is side one, but I think he's like Glockenspiel, and then the Glockenspiel gets added, and then just building this, building this music, and then it gets really crazy. Yeah. And even then, it scared me. And I remember walking across the campus, and I think I think the wind made a leaf move or something. I'm, oh, it was like yeah. there's the devil is watching me. <laughs> there's your demon. It's gonna get me. Because the movies about possession are scary. Oh, yeah. That shit can happen. I mean, yeah. possessions can happen. I don't know that we can twist our heads around and not die, but 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 the, right. that's the only thing where I'm like, fake, stupid, she'd be dead. But then right. someone else said, no, the power of Christ, no power of whatever. Demon can do anything. Yeah. Pazuzu, <clears throat> I think. Yeah. Yep, 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 Pazuzu. Yeah. 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 Love it. Have yeah. you guys interviewed Eileen Dietz? No. She played Pazuzu um, and did a lot oh. of, you know, the work as the demon and oh. didn't get credited for it. They wanted they wanted but, Linda Blair to get all the credit. But um, I've met Eileen at a couple uh, conventions. She's really groovy. 
You should try to get her on. She has great stories. Oh my god. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Nice. I also okay. love Hannah Fearman. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, so do you continue to do theater in between film and TV gigs? Well, I'm trying, but you know, the, the industry shut down for two sure. years. Sure. I was booked to do a play at a theater and they had to unbook me because it was I'm in the union and they couldn't use union actors suddenly. So they recast it with non-union actors and filmed them all separately and and threw it together and said, hey, stream this, pay us to stream it. And I was like, how disappointing. It was a really great play. Um, I was looking forward to it. But it, so that then two years went by. Poor me. The pandemic happened. Poor me and everyone else. So <laughs> I've been auditioning recently, though, and I have had some bites. But I kind of didn't take some things because of because I had a really good convention year last year. It was kind of playing catch up from 2020. 2021, there were a lot of conventions hung over from the year before that got postponed. So, right. Um, but then, you know, so I'm auditioning again, but now I'm an older actor. So it's harder because there aren't as many roles. I've changed, you know, I've changed. So, whatever. But yeah, I, I do as much theater as I can, actually. Um, and uh, just when, well, some, that's not that's not a true statement. I don't do as much theater as I can, but once in a while I will audition for a play, and I would I really really miss theater. God, I miss it. Yeah. I miss the whole process of the rehearsals and learning the lines and the live audience. It's just like there's nothing else like it. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. art. You know? Yeah. So um, as we wrap things up here, I just wanted to ask you: you've got a few projects coming up, according to IMDb. Um, are there any ones that you could talk about? Now, you mentioned, what was it, Patch Bluff? But, I'm sorry, Butcher's Bluff? Yeah, Butcher's Bluff is, I believe, all the filming is finished. It's taken a long time because it's definitely been an independent um, project uh, for uh, uh, William Instone. And I, I don't know when it's going to come out, but I think people are going to be excited about it when it does. I mean, it's an 80s style, 80s style slasher film. It and I play awesome. a Texas sheriff, and I don't die. What? <laughs> I don't die. How is this possible? He said he's setting it up so that I will be in the sequel. So I'm like, cool. I love it. Awesome. But it was fun to play a Texas sheriff because it's so not who I am. So not who I am. I love it. But um, yeah, that I think that one's going to be fun. And it's not, you know, it's it's definitely got that 80s flavor and uh that's lots great of blood blood and gore and violence and a new uh, you know slasher character called the hog man and we can all we can all celebrate that there's yet another slasher character <laughs> who might make a big splash rrr splash that's cool. um <laughs> so, so I, i'm excited about when that comes out and i think i think everything else that i've worked on well, there have been some others that I've shot that got closed down because of COVID and have come back or not come back. And oh, there's some other movies, but but they're like little roles in like big movies, so it's not as exciting to me. So, what is this? I'm going to ask it, and if it's something you, you're not allowed to talk about, I'll cut it out of the show. But uh, Friday the Thirteenth: Vengeance Two: Bloodlines. What is yeah, that? 
I can totally talk about that. It's um, the first Friday the 13th Vengeance film. What, oh, wait. The first... Wait, what's the whole title? I forget. It's Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. Okay, yeah, yeah. The first one was simply called Vengeance. It is a, uh, a very high-quality fan film with lots of money and oh, lots okay. of... And, and a really great guy named Jason Brooks, who is a really great Jason Voorhees. And truly, I mean, he's had some of the, if you look on IMDb, you can see he has some really some contemporary horror legends in these movies. So I had met him a couple of years ago at a convention in Lawrence, Kansas, and um, he was promoting the first Vengeance movie. Um, and uh, it was exciting. He's a super cool guy. We played pool and stuff. Um, and then we got to know each other at other events. We have, uh, we have a similar agent. We have an agent. I have more than one. I don't know if he does, but we have the same agent. And uh, so we were at some of the same conventions. Got to know each other even better. Really like each other. So he cast me in this role um, in the sequel. I, and it shot up in um, um, Seattle. And uh, God, it was gorgeous. I loved being up there so much. But I, I, um, I won't tell you what happens to my character, but I am in the first part of the movie. And then, I mean, people like Rob Mello, who was happy death dated me, wanted to, you know, playing the, the killer in that. He's in it, and Ricky Ramon is in it. And I mean, Richie, I mean, I, oh God, if I start trying to list people, I'll leave somebody out. I'm just going to stop right there. But there are some, um, there are some people should look up that movie. Go to my IMDb page and click on Vengeance 2. What's the title? Friday the 13th, uh, Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. Bloodlines, yes, that's it. <laughs> I, I, it's such a long title. Um, so I'm excited about that one coming out. Cause nice. Where can we see the first one? Um, well, I have a, I have a DVD, but they're very difficult to come by. Um, where can you see the first one? Because they have a trailer but on IMDb, I but they don't, don't know. It. You know what you should do is friend Jason Brooks on Instagram or something and just ask him directly. He's oh, okay. a super nice guy. He will, he probably can, if he has any, he could probably sell you one, send you one on a, or tell you where it's streaming. I don't know where it's streaming, which is really stupid. Hmm. Really dumb. Yeah, I'll have to look. I have an yeah. app on my phone. It's called, uh, I forget what it's called now, but it basically, you can um, look up, plug in any movie or TV show, and it'll tell you where it's streaming. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I have that app. That's yeah. really cool. Just watch it. Just like watch that. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Just Watch It. I'm going to remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Or Just Watch. There's so many I want to yeah, see. Just like, watch. I wanna... Yeah, just watch it. That's it. Yeah. I... There was something I wanted to watch the other day. I still need to watch it. Oh, American Graffiti. I just oh, love oh, yeah. Graffiti. Love that. Movie. I, I was at the barbershop and they had an American Graffiti poster and a Star Wars, a couple of Star Wars posters. And I'm like, I need to watch American Graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good movie. <laughs> it is. I love Wolfman yeah. Jack's cameo in that movie. I know. It's so great. <laughs> well, folks, we've been talking with a man for over two hours now. Who uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we've been talking I, to him with a man who also goes by the name Mailman Mel. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Paul, oh, it was God. it was an absolute pleasure having you here today. And uh, you know, you've got an open invitation to come back anytime you want if you want to plug something or even just talk horror movies. Thank you, Roger. Or whatever. And we've got some video projects coming up too that we'll um, tell you about at a later point that you might be interested in. Real short ones, but fun ones. So. Oh, cool, cool. Well, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Chris. This has been oh, quite you. a pleasure. Awesome. Quite a pleasure. It's been awesome. great talking to you guys. It's nice. This is the most, um, what is the word? Uh, out there? Um, not out there. This is the most, <laughs> uh, what have I been with you guys? I have been quite, the word is not honest. The word is... Convivial? No. <laughs> convivial. Just, just I have been, basically, I've said a lot of things that I've never said publicly before. And oh, awesome. Thank, so you're comfortable. thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for that. Can, yeah. You're welcome. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Oh, well, you should go on Instagram and look up the real Paul T. Taylor. Because, you know, everybody wanted to be Paul T. Taylor when, I, when the movie came out. So I had to be the real Paul T. Taylor. Everybody <laughs> wanted that. <laughs> I had a friend who was like, oh, come on. Like, shut up. You're just jealous. Um, <laughs> and you can also like me on facebook i have a fan page that's um paul t taylor i also have a personal page that's paul taylor i'll say yes to just about anybody on that personal page but i'm <laughs> almost to five thousand people so you know then that's gonna stop um well we're gonna and, tell the listeners to go out there and like the shit out of you so okay thank you and also <laughs> i do have a website um paul t taylor.com and um yeah, they should also look me up on IMDb. Just keep punching it. Keep punching IMDb. Look at all my stuff. Look at all my stuff. I don't know why, because maybe somebody cares out there. Somebody <clears throat> somebody goes, oh, you've got so many hits that we have to cast you in our movie. Right. You know, I know there's... <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that everyone will friend request me and follow me on Instagram and all that stuff that's so wonderful and so silly at the same time. Awesome. But, you know, awesome. it is what it is. And we'll we'll put all those in the show notes and uh, so people can look you up and like I said, friend the shit out of you, watch all your movies and TV shows and everything. Yes. Yes. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Thanks. Paul. Thank you. Thanks you guys. Take care. You Take too. Care. So what'd you think of Paul Taylor, man? Oh man, he talk about energy. <laughs> He's very <laughs> First of all, he was very energetic, very funny too. I like his sense of humor, and I like uh, uh, just his view on the business and of acting. And did you find that uh, as he was talking, that he was like always on? Like, I mean, like always, like act, I say that in a good way. Like almost like there was sort of performance there. Yeah, I think so. I think I got the feeling that he sort of actually let his hair down. And yeah. got real comfortable with us, which is great because that's what I want. I want the sure. uh, you know the people, the guests to be comfortable with us. But he like really didn't hold back, and he just no told it all. like it was. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, when I say like on, I mean like uh, in his tonality and his like in his humor. Like it was it was fun to listen to. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's part of what makes him an entertainer is you've got yeah. to sound entertaining. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was awesome. It was, it was fascinating it was. life and fascinating career. Folks, you definitely got to check out his movies, um, especially if you like horror movies. You've got to check out Hellraiser Judgment because he does an awesome job as Pinhead. And I didn't get a chance to say when we were talking about the film that the movie is actually much deeper than you would think. There's a lot of subtext to it. There's a lot of literary references. It's, um, it's, it's really a different kind of Hellraiser movie, and yet it's still the gore and the Pinhead and all that stuff that you want to see. Mm. So. Nice. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us today for our awesome interview with actor Paul Taylor. You can send your feedback to thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Then Is Now Podcast is a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so be sure to check out the other great shows there at thedorkening.com. And you can find me on my website, which is storiesmotion.com. I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stories Motion. You can also visit our website at havenpodcast.com, where you'll find our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and Spaghetti Western movies. And while you're there, click on the Patreon and Tee Public links to get some exclusive stuff. That's right, folks, and Then Is Now is on YouTube, so please visit youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to get the latest videos as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also share the video versions of our podcast with your friends and get them to subscribe as, as well. Don't forget to click that little bell so you get notifications when we put new stuff out. And don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You can find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. The East Meets the West is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. All clips played on the show are property of their copyright holders. All other material is copyright Jupiter Media. shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.